Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoy today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. All right, Matthew chapter 2. Stay standing for the reading of the word, and then I'll see you. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to reread the same passage of Scripture that we've been reading for the last two weeks, and then I'm going to jump over to some new Scriptures. But in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it reads as follows. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Now jump with you to Matthew chapter 26 at the old church, the Pentecostal church. We'd say scripture surf with me to Matthew 26. Doesn't even make sense, but we would say that. Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to read verse 6 through 13. It says, meanwhile... Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had leprosy. During supper, a woman came in with a beautiful jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste of money, they said. She could have sold it for a fortune and given the money to the poor. Don't you just get bothered by people that like to spend other people's money? They're like real stingy with theirs, but they've got no problem spending other churches, I mean, other people's money. (laughs) Freudian sleep. But Jesus replied, why berate her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but I will not be here with you much longer. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I assure you, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be talked about in her memory. For the next few moments, I want to preach to you off of this final thought that concludes our series, The Gift. All roads lead to the cross. All roads lead to the cross. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for all the amazing things you are doing here in this house. We thank you for what you are doing in this community, this group of Jesus followers that is making up Lighthouse Church in the North County. Father, we pray now as we've worshipped you, we've felt your presence fill this room. You've been speaking, you've been ministering, you've been doing a work that eyes cannot see and ears have not heard, but you are doing a work in the hearts and in the lives of every person here. And now, Father, I just pray that you would anoint me, allow this word to reach where my words fail, Allow this word to touch where nothing I say could ever reach, Father. Let your Holy Spirit do a work in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time. All roads lead to the cross. As we've been talking about all month long, we've been looking at this story, also known as the nativity scene, where the wise men came from the east, and and, and there was a group of men that rolled up, and and we busted the nativity scene, as I shared with you on week one, that that many scholars will estimate that the the wise men arrived to where baby Jesus was two years after his birth. They did not roll in on the night that he was born. The shepherds rolled in on the night that he was born, but the wise men rolled in a few years 
later. And each of the wise men that showed up that day, they brought a gift. And, and one brought a gift of gold, and one brought a gift of frankincense, and one brought a gift of myrrh. The last two weeks we've talked about gold, we've talked about frankincense, and today we're talking about the final gift, which is the most precarious gift of them all, the gift of myrrh. What in the world is myrrh anyway? Because that's not something we use today. Well, if you look at what myrrh is, it is a bitter gum or a costly perfume that exudes from a certain tree or a shrub in Arabia, in that part of the world. And it's obtained by making incisions into the bark of that tree, and they then I- I extract the myrrh. And it is also an antiseptic that is used for balming. And so they extract this from a tree that is just germane to that region of the world, and they extract this germ, this I'm sorry, this gum or, or or this ointment, and they then use it for embalming. Now the first thing I want you to note is that myrrh prepares the body for burial. Myrrh prepares the body for burial. Let me take you in to an interesting story. Let me take you into what happened on the evening that the three wise men arose, as it goes in my head anyway. So imagine for a second that you are in the room when Mary and Joseph are, are, are sitting and perhaps they're, they're having a dinner party. Perhaps they're there celebrating. And, and, and you're a friend of Mary. Uh, for, for all the ladies in the room, Mary's your homegirl. She's talked to you. And, or maybe Joseph is, is your bro and you get together uh, and, and have good meals uh, because that's what men do. We just get together and we eat. And so imagine for a second you're invited into the home of, of Joseph and Mary. And, and for years, if you're a friend of Mary, you, you've been hearing her talk about how special her kid is. And you're like, he looks like every other two-year-old. I don't see what's so special about Jesus. I, I mean, you, you said he's special, but how special could he really be? But imagine that for a moment that on this night, three men walk into the room. Now, now we're going to say three, although some scholars estimate it could have been as much as 20, but, but these men arrive. There's this entourage, and it breaks up the dinner party where Mary and Joseph are celebrating. And as these men walk in, and if you're a friend of Mary or you're a friend of Joseph, you're probably thinking, this is really interesting what's about to happen. And, and what, what happens next is really even more interesting because one of the guys that walks in, these, 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 these magi, these, these wise men, these, these men that, that, that looked really really important. As they, they walk into the home of Mary and Joseph, one of them all of a sudden brings out a gift, and it's a gift of gold. And if you're in the room, you're thinking, okay, maybe this baby Jesus is, is, is special like his mama's been saying. Now, the gift of gold is a gift that you give to kings, so you can't help but take note and think that's interesting. Imagine for a second you're there in the room, and a guy shows up, and all of a sudden he opens up a box, and out comes gold. I mean, that's the kind of friend that you're like, I'm going to get closer to Mary now. I think I'm going to hang around with Mary a little bit more now. She's got friends like these. And, and, and so you, you can't help but notice that, you know, maybe, maybe this child is special. But it doesn't stop there. As the party goes on, then the second wise man opens up a gift. And now he gives a gift of frankincense. And, and this is a little more interesting. The gold was cool. I mean, how many of y'all would like some gold? Be honest. It's Sunday. Yeah, amen. We're like, give me the gold. And then the second gift that, that is opened up is a gift of frankincense. Now, it's a bit of a curious gift. Because, because frankincense is something that the priests use in the temple. And it, and it represented worship, as we talked about last week. And so now you can't help but lean in for a moment and think, well, wait a second. Maybe this little boy will be a priest one day because they're giving him a gift of frankincense. Now, now the, the party's not over. 
And the third wise man comes and he opens up a gift. And as he opens up the gift, you got to imagine there's excitement building up in the room. First was gold. Now we've got frankincense. And, and, and what could possibly come next? And as that wise man opens up the gift and he gives it to Mary, out comes myrrh. Okay? Again, an ointment used to prepare the body for burial. Let, let, let me paint a picture to you. How many of you ladies enjoy baby showers? Okay, baby showers. All right. Okay, let, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine for a second. Some of you are like, yes, whatever. Uh, uh, all I know is men don't like baby showers, okay? There's this new thing that they're doing. You know, it's like, it's a co-ed baby shower. Just stop, okay? We don't want to go, all right? Just stop with that, all right? Stop. It's a sip and see. No, we ain't doing that, okay? Don't, just don't invite us. Just leave us at home, all right? Don't want to be there, all right? And so now, now imagine for a second, it's a baby shower, and as the mom-to-be is opening up gifts, she opens up a gift certificate, and it's a gift certificate to a burial plot. Surprise! Not exactly the gift you'd expect at a baby shower, right? Or how about it's a box, and, and someone brings this gift, and they give it to the mom-to-be, and she opens it up, and it's an urn, <laughs> And I'm buying you an urn for your son so that when he dies, you've got an urn. Now, how many of you would think, oh, my God, this person is wild. This person is crazy. Why would they bring an urn? Why would they bring a gift certificate to a burial plot to a baby shower? Now, do you guys get what's happening when this king opens up, when, when this wise man opens up the gift of myrrh? He's giving them a gift where they're thinking, wait, why in the world would you give Mary the gift of myrrh. This is something that you use to prepare a body for burial, and the baby is two years old. And as strange as this sounds, write this down. You cannot separate the birth of Jesus from the purpose of Jesus. You cannot separate the birth of Jesus from the purpose of Jesus because Jesus was born so that he would die. Jesus was born so that he would die. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, the, 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 the final portion of that verse, it says that, that Jesus, talking of him, was the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. And, and so as grateful as we are and, and, and as much as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and, and listen, we, Jesus was not born on December 25th. I think a lot of you get that in the room. But, but for those of you that, that I, I've already busted your nativity scene, let me just bust Jesus' birthday. Okay, he was probably born around the month of April. That's kind of what scholars have, have come up with. But we have chosen a day and said this is the day because no one knows the actual day. But this is a day that we're going to celebrate the life of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. And so while we celebrate the birth of Jesus, just know that he was born to die. Just know that the reason that he came to this world was because he needed to die in order to redeem all of mankind. And it's an interesting thing to think of it that way, but these wise men were wise because they knew that, number one, he was king. Number two, he was Lord. They brought frankincense. And number three, he was born to die. This is what the prophets wrote about. This is what the prophets prophesied would happen. Now, throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus would continue to remind his disciples of this, and he would let them know, look, I'm not going to be with you always. 
Look, I'm not going to be here with you all the time. Look, it's important for me to go back to heaven because if I go back to my father, then I can send a comforter. And he would tell his disciples this story time and time again. And he began to point to them, this is what it's going to be like when I'm gone. And, and then when we read that passage of scripture in Matthew, the Bible says that in that moment when the woman busted into Simon the leper's house and began to, and began to put myrrh on him, she did it to prepare him for his burial. And no one in the room understood that. No one in the room could fathom for a moment that Jesus would not just talk about the fact that he was going to get ready to die, but even allow events to lead up to his death and to point him to his death. Now, I think part of the reason is most people, not only did they understand the fact that he had to die, they were still trying to wrap their minds around it. Because think about this for a second. This is a guy that's making dead people rise out of a grave. They saw Lazarus come out of a grave. They saw Jesus open up blinded eyes. They saw Jesus make the deaf to hear. They saw Jesus do the impossible. They saw Jesus do all kinds of things. And they didn't want him to go. I mean, how many of you, if you had a friend like that, would not want to see him go anywhere? I'd stick really close, you know? It's like he's that good friend to have when you're sick. But what no one knew about his departure was not just the fact that he had to go, but it was the manner in which he would go. I think that's the, I think that's the, the, the most tragic thing of it all. You see, because Jesus died a criminal's death even though he committed no crime. He was hung on a cross, which was the death that they would use to kill a criminal because we know that even as he hung on the cross and they put two, they, they flanked him by two more crosses, each one of them had committed a crime. And so they take this innocent man and they put him on a cross and he died a criminal's death even though he had committed no crime. Now, it should not have surprised the disciples. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says, but he, talking about Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So, so it, it should not have come as a surprise, but it did. The disciples didn't understand the manner in which he would go. Maybe he could just go quietly, you know, as they say, passed in his sleep, died of old age. But they had no idea just how rough this was going to get for him. But just know that Jesus was the suffering servant of God. In Isaiah's prophecy, it said, Jesus, the suffering servant. He was on a mission to die for you and I. He was on a mission to, get, to, to give his life so that you and I would have life. You see, it truly was death by love. It was death by love. Love. John 3, 16, let's get it up on the screen. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God so loved the world that he gave. Love gives. Love gives. And, and, in, a painful, and in a painful moment in the garden, Shortly after Jesus' body is, is embalmed by this woman at the house of Simon the leper, 
he, he begins to set off some, um, some, some events into motion, one of them being the final supper. And after the final supper, Jesus then goes to the garden to pray. And while he's in the garden, he's praying. He's struggling with the fact that God had sent him to die. And we don't think of it this way. And we, we like to think that all things were easy for Jesus because he was fully man and fully God. But in that moment, we see in the garden this glimpse of him already having to come to deals with the immense amount of pain that he was about to suffer. When he prayed, Father, if it be possible, would you let this cup pass from me? He was basically saying, do I have to endure death in this manner? But all roads led to the cross for Jesus. All roads led to the cross. From the moment that he was a child, they brought him a gift of myrrh. Throughout his earthly ministry, he would tell them, eventually I'm going to go, eventually I'm going to go. Um, a woman busts into a dinner party to anoint his body, to prepare him for burial. All roads led to the cross. Now, can I submit to you this morning that all roads didn't just lead to the cross for Jesus, but can I tell you that all roads lead to the cross for you as well? Can I tell you that all roads will also lead you to a cross? And we go to a cross for an entirely different reason. You see, Jesus went to the cross in order to die for us. And we now are led to the cross so that we might have life and might have life in abundance. Come on, how many excited for the life that we have when we meet Jesus at the cross? Jesus goes to the cross and the Bible uses through different type of symbolism and analogy that he then became a seed that was planted into a ground. He had to die and then be put into a tomb because you have to bury things in order to receive of its fruit. So Jesus is then put on a cross to become a seed and we are the fruit of that seed. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're the fruit of Calvary. Come on, I want you to say it with some authority. Tell them you're the fruit of Calvary. And so we go to a cross to not only receive the life that Christ has for us, but once we've received the life that he has for us, that we then would begin to produce the fruit that Jesus always intended for us. That's why we do a year-end offering, because we know that a church that is focused on the kingdom of God, we don't give just for here and now, but we want to make an eternal impact on this county and in this city and in this world. How do we do that? By producing fruit. He didn't become a seed so that we would be a, a tree that never produces anything. We've got to be a tree that produces fruit. He's become the seed. But you don't get the seed, you don't get to appreciate the benefit of the seed until you first meet him at the cross. And so when I think about Easter, I don't just think about the fact that he's born, but I think about the cross. And I think about the cross as the place of the great exchange. I think about the cross as a place where we received life because of his death. When I think about the cross, I think about the grace that we've received because he received the judgment for our sins. When I think about the cross, I think about the righteousness that we have received because he took on our condemnation. Listen, you don't have to suffer the effects of sin because Jesus has already taken on the consequences of sin. That's why the prophet wrote, oh death, where is your sting? And sting, where is your grave. Let me teach you a little something about bumblebees. Let me teach you about bees. We all get afraid of bees with stingers, right? 
But I don't know if you know this, but once a, once a bee has planted his stinger on someone, that bee can buzz around, but it has lost its sting because the stinger was already removed from that bee. Death has a sting, but Jesus took on the sting when he went to Calvary, and because he didn't get stay in that grave and he got up from that grave, every time the devil, he's like a bee that's lost his stinger. He can buzz, he can hum, he can wreak havoc in your life, but ultimately he can't kill you because Jesus already took the stinger out. So he's a dog with a lot of bark, but he's got no bite because Jesus already took on the sting. And I don't know what you're going through here in this room, but no matter how bad it is or how dark your night is, just know that Jesus already took on the stink. Somebody give God some praise. He took the sting on. But you don't get to experience the benefits of what he's done for us if you don't meet him at the cross. You see, as long as you turn to self-help gurus, you're going to think that you can live your best life by doing it your way. But I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it his way. So you got to meet Jesus at the cross. You can turn into any type of counselor, and I'm all for counseling. You can go see a psychiatrist, and I'm all for psychiatrists. But listen, in all that you do, you better get to Jesus, and you better get to the cross if you want to receive anything everything that he has for you all roads lead us there all roads take us to the cross it's the place of the great exchange it's the place where he bore my shame so that I could receive all of his righteousness in our life but there's too many people that don't want to get to a cross there's too many people that would rather get to a church and never make it to a cross and listen, I'm happy to have you here at church, at our church. And I'm happy to have you here drinking our coffee, enjoying our L kids, enjoying the worship. But if we lead you to church and never lead you to the cross, you'll never experience the benefit of why he came to this world. If we lead you to a place, we'll just be another community where we tell you that you are a good person. We'll just take you to another community where we'll tell you that, God, that, that you can become anything that you want to become. But if we don't get you to the cross, you'll never experience everything that God has for your life. So all roads lead to the cross. You know, we design our weekend experiences for people to come to know God. But listen, we don't just want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. And there's a lot of people that come to church but never experience the freedom of Christ yet because they've not yet met him at the cross. They've not yet met him at the cross. The cross is the place where you say, Father, I receive you into my life. And this is the day where I die to myself and I live to you. I come to the cross to meet you at the place where I exchange my shame for your righteousness. I come to the cross to the place where I exchange all of my hurt and my pain to receive the life that you have for me. But listen, can I tell you that the cross is not just a momentary, the, the cross is not just a moment, but cross is eternity, meaning the writer says you have to take up your cross and follow him. So once you've received this exchange, you then take on your cross and you follow him. Every, and now, 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 listen, listen, some of you freak out over that and you're thinking, well, I got to take on the cross? That, that sounds heavy. No, 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 no. The promise from his word is this. He says, take my yoke and take my burden because my burden is light. What are you talking about? You might carry a cross, but he's already borne the weight of that cross. He says, I want you to exchange your broken down life for the life that only I can give. And he says, my burden is easy. 
he says, my burden is light. And it's this exchange where you meet him at the cross. And when you exchange the old for the new, you walk with that promise that God has, that he says that the burden that I give to you is a light burden. Listen, I'm, I'm on a personal journey to experience more of this in my life. As we come to the end of this year, all the men in the room, I told you what my year was for 2019. What was it? How many remember? And you guys remember the name, the, the, the word that I gave for my year? Pace. Pace. For 2019, pace was my word. And, and many of you gave me a word for, for your year. And I, be, I began to walk this life in 2019 thinking, what's my pace for this year? How do I make sure I don't burn out? How do I make sure I don't go so hard planting the church? Because listen, I can't win at church and lose at home. You, you can't win at church and lose with your family because if you lose with your family, you lost. I don't care what you do at church. I don't care what you do with your career. I don't care what you do with your, at school. I don't care what you do with your stuff. If you lose with your family, you've lost. And so, and so I, I've carried this, this word with me all of 2019, pace, pace, pace. Because I realize that there's this exchange that has happened when I exchange the old way of doing things for his way of doing things. And he says, my burden is light. But you've got to meet him at the cross. He was born to die as I come to a close. He was born to die. So Jesus, as he sits there, let me take you back to the end of Matthew chapter uh, 26. As Jesus sat at the home of Simon the leper, a very audacious thing takes place. A very audacious thing gets, takes place. Because what, what, what's happening here at Simon the, the leper's house is that all the guys are in the room. There's nothing but a bunch of men in that house. And how many of you know sometimes when the guys get together, they can be a little rowdy? I'm not talking about sin and all that stuff, but how many of you know we can get a little rowdy? Something about getting guys a little bit of freedom, you know? They don't have diapers to change and uh, boogers to wipe and all of that. You know, you get them away from the kids, you get them away from the wife, it gets a little rowdy. And, and in walks this woman. In walks this woman with a costly perfume, the Bible says. And so it's, an, it's a very audacious thing. She walks into the room and before everyone, the Bible says she pours the oil on his head. In Matthew's gospel, it says she, she poured the oil on his head, and it began to shock the room. And even those closest to Jesus, his disciples, because it wasn't the Pharisees that said. It was his disciples, y'all, that said, what a shame. It was the Jesus followers, because sometimes it's Jesus followers. We don't get it. And it's the Jesus followers, says, what a shame. We could have used that and put that in the legacy offering. Come on. <laughs> But Jesus says, she poured ointment on my body to prepare me for burial. This woman gets it. You see, this is a woman that had already seen what was happening. This is a woman that had already received something from This is a woman that had experienced Now, There's a lot of debate as to this, and I don't pretend to be a Bible scholar. But I will tell you that some people have speculated whether or not this was the woman that was forgiven who was caught in the act of adultery. And when they tried to stone him, that they brought, then when the men tried to, the, 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 the Pharisees tried to stone her, that Jesus forgave her sin and prevented her from dying. Some have speculated that it might have been her. Or some have speculated that it might have been another woman. But all we know is that this woman had an encounter with him. And when she had an encounter with him, she knew what she needed to do. Can I tell you that it's not enough to come to church and not have an encounter with Jesus? Can I tell you, it's not enough to be a part of our church and not yet have an encounter with Jesus for yourself. You've got to have an encounter with him. And she begins to prepare his body for burial. Now, Jesus doesn't say this, but as he begins to tell them this, she's preparing me for burial. It's like he's telling the guys there, his disciples, hey, guys, this is where it ends for me. This is it. And it begins to set off all of the events. 
He starts planning the final supper. He's good. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He then suffers a criminal's death. But make no mistake, what looks like an end was really only the beginning. I said what looked like the end was only the beginning. The disciples were still trying to figure this thing out. They couldn't comprehend. But Jesus was telling them, this is it for me, guys. But when I go, this is why he would tell them that the things that you do in my name are going to be greater than you saw me here do, do here on this earth. He began to speak this life to them, began to tell them, you're going to experience greater. You're going to do more. You're going you're gonna, to, in my name, you're going to cast out devils. In my name, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, if anything deadly, if a snake bites you, it's not going to harm you. In my name, you're going to do this. What they saw as an end, God saw as a seed being deposited. What they saw in an end, Jesus says, this is just the beginning. This might be the ending for me, but it's just the beginning for you. And I'm here to tell someone in this room that if you've not yet made Jesus Lord of your life, if you've not yet welcomed him into your heart, don't think of it as an end. Think of it as a beginning. Think of it as a beginning of new life in him. It's a place of new birth. It's a place where you begin again. Begin again. I, I don't want to give you guys too many details, but my wife, my wife and I just recently had to make a hard call. Some stuff happened and we had to make a choice. Either we can put this person out of our life or forgive them and move on. And can I be honest with you? My wife and I, after this thing had happened, in our flesh, we said we never want to see this person again. We said we never want to see her again. And later that night, without us talking, Holy Spirit whispered into me, you're going to give her a second chance. And I just slept on it. I just kept that to myself. I said the devil is a liar. I ain't giving her a second chance. What she did to me. And uh, I didn't say anything to my wife. I went to bed angry. I sinned, y'all. Confessing my faults right now, okay? I went to bed feeling all, feeling all up in my feelings. And then my wife, she woke up the next morning and that person came to apologize. And then she said to me, I think we need to give her a second chance. And I said, I, I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to do that, but I didn't want to say anything to you because you were kind of in your feelings too. So I figured we'd both be in our feelings. But I, then I looked at my wife and I said, how can we be in the second chance business and not give her a second chance? How, how could we be in the second chance business and not give this person? I mean, th this is what we do. We, we give second chances to people who have hurt us. We, we let people begin again. This is, you see, Jesus first began again with us. Who are we to not allow someone else to begin again if they've hurt us? And my word to you today is, listen, if you've not yet made Jesus Lord of your life, today's the day that you can begin again. Today's the day that you can start again. Meet him at the cross this morning. Come on, let's pray right there where you're at. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.